Listen closely to the following titles. Do you recognize them? Abortion 101. Should you buy a car on Sunday? Reasons or excuses? Why we need Lent? Immigrants are people, not problems. Why gay marriage is wrong? Questions about the casino. Catholic preaching, powerful or pitiful? Breaking news, the tomb of Jesus is empty. Racism, it's bigger than Imus. And last but certainly not least, my RSVP to Rudy Giuliani. If you didn't know before, that last one probably gave it away. These are the titles of just some of the columns that our Bishop Thomas Tobin has written for our diocesan newspaper during the last couple of years. In looking them over the other day as I was preparing for this homily, I couldn't help but think that John the Baptist would be greatly pleased. He would heartily approve. He would love our local bishop's approach to pastoral ministry. In paragraph 1558 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it says this about bishops and their office in the church. Episcopal consecration confers, together with the office of sanctifying, also the offices of teaching and ruling. In fact, by the imposition of hands and through the words of consecration, the grace of the Holy Spirit is given, and a sacred character is impressed, in such a way that bishops, in an eminent and visible manner, take the place of Christ himself, teacher, shepherd, and priest, and act as his representative. By virtue, therefore, of the Holy Spirit who has been given to them, bishops have been constituted true and authentic teachers of the faith. Sadly, some bishops in the church today are failing to take their teaching role seriously. Perhaps that's because they know that if they did take it seriously, they'd have to be a lot like John the Baptist. In other words, they know they would have to address really tough issues publicly and take very clear stands publicly and take a lot of heat. They know they would have to endure a great deal of opposition, like John did. And they would rather not do those things. They would rather not take clear stands, address tough issues, and take the heeds. John, of course, addressed the toughest of all issues, human sin, in a very direct manner. 
He came to prepare the way for the Messiah, to prepare people to receive the Messiah. And he did that by making them aware of their need for the Messiah's greatest gift, mercy, forgiveness. You know, of all the gifts that Jesus gave to the world, his greatest gift, most important gift, is forgiveness for sin. Because without that gift, we don't go to heaven. But you see, the only way John the Baptist could make people aware of their need for the Messiah's gift of mercy was for him to make them aware of the fact that they were sinners. You're not going to know you need mercy unless you know you're a sinner. John was very clear about that. His father, Zechariah, said it perfectly on the day John was born. He said, You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. John the Baptist was very clear about good and evil, was he not? He was crystal clear about right and wrong. He also had no qualms whatsoever about challenging people who were in positions of civil authority. He challenged the politicians of his day. Some of us forget that, but he did. And he also challenged those who were in religious authority at the time. He didn't hesitate, for example, to tell King Herod that it was wrong for him to be living with his brother's wife. Herod didn't like it. John said, too bad, Herod, it's the truth. Nor did John hesitate in calling the Pharisees and the Sadducees a brood of vipers. Remember that? on the day that many of them came to him at the Jordan River to be baptized. He called them that publicly. Believe me, Rudy Giuliani should thank God that John the Baptist didn't write that RSVP column the other day in our diocesan newspaper. I can assure you that John the Baptist would not have been as kind and as respectful as Bishop Tobin was. Like John the Baptist, our present bishop is not afraid to tackle tough issues in the public square. This is why I admire him so much. And I've had a great opportunity to work with him closely. I'm now on the College of Consultors and the Council of Priests. He put me on those. Thank you, Bishop. <laughs> But I'm glad I'm on them because I really had a chance to get to know this man. He is a sincere man. He's a devout man. I believe he's a very holy man. And he's not afraid. He's like John the Baptist. Notice some of the hot-button topics that are addressed in just the handful of columns I mentioned at the beginning of my homily. Gay marriage. Racism. Gambling. Immigration, and of course, Rudy Giuliani's stance on abortion. 
For the benefit of the few who might not have seen the bishop's piece on Giuliani, I know I put it in the bulletin last week, I made copies of it, but I have heard that there are some people who, heaven forbid, don't read the bulletin. <laughs> well, if that's you, or you just didn't see the piece on Giuliani, I think we all need to remember what precipitated it. What precipitated our bishop's peace in our diocesan paper? It was an invitation from the former mayor of New York himself. It was an invitation from Rudy, asking the bishop to come to a luncheon he was having in Rhode Island to raise money for his presidential campaign. That's what started it all. As our bishop said in his column, I have no idea why I received an invitation to this fundraiser. I don't know the mayor. I've never met him. I try to avoid partisan politics. Heck, I'm not even a Republican. But most of all, I would never support a candidate who supports legalized abortion. Bishop Tobin then went on in his column to clarify the teaching of the Church on this issue, which is actually the teaching of Jesus Christ on this issue. Many people forget that. A lot of people want to say amen to Jesus, no to his church and her teaching. Can't do that. Jesus is the head. The church is his body. You can't sever the head from the body and live. They go together. And so when the church speaks authoritatively in matters of faith and morals, it is the voice of Christ himself in our world. Bishop Tobin, God bless him, clarified the church's teaching, and he contrasted it in his column with Rudy's position. And in case you're not aware of it, Rudy says he is personally opposed to abortion and thinks it's morally wrong. He says that. But he still maintains that it should be a legal option. At one point in his commentary, the bishop offered these important insights. He said, Rudy's explanation is a classic expression of the position on abortion that we've heard from weak-kneed politicians so frequently in recent years. I'm personally opposed to, but don't want to impose my views on other people. The incongruity of that position has been exposed many times now. As I've asked previously, would we let any politician get away with the same pathetic cop-out on other issues? I'm personally opposed to racial discrimination, sexual abuse, prostitution, drug abuse, polygamy, incest, but I don't want to impose my beliefs on others. Hey, Rudy, you say that you believe abortion is morally wrong. Why do you say that, Rudy? Why do you believe that abortion is wrong? Is abortion the killing of an innocent child? Is it an offense against human dignity? Is it a cruel and violent act? Does it harm the woman who has the abortion? And if your answer to any of these questions is yes, Rudy, why would you permit people to kill an innocent child, offend human dignity, commit a cruel and violent act, or do harm to the mother? My brothers and sisters, the real problem here 
is that Rudy the Republican, like Jack Reed the Democrat, wants the name without the gain. And our bishop is reminding him, Rudy, you can't do that. If you want the name, you better bring the game with you. You see, Rudy wants to be considered a Catholic in name and reap the earthly benefits that come with that title, most especially your votes in 2008, while at the same time rejecting fundamental moral teachings of the Catholic faith. And he claims that that faith is his faith. Our bishop rightly points out that politicians who freely choose to claim the title of Catholic, and let's be clear about it, that's what they do. Like all of us, nobody holds a gun to your head and says, you must be a Catholic. You were baptized a Catholic, you must stay a Catholic. I don't know, maybe that's happened to somebody here. Never happened to me. Nobody's forcing me to do what I do, and Father Mike, no. Nobody's forcing you to be a Catholic. Nobody forces Rudy to be a Catholic. But politicians who freely choose to be Catholic and to claim that title, our bishop is saying they can't have it both ways. They've got to bring the game if they want the name. And as the chief teacher of the faith in the Diocese of Providence, which that passage from the Catechism I quoted at the beginning says that our bishop is to be here in our local church, as the chief teacher of the faith, he needs to do this kind of thing in the public arena. He needs to clarify church teaching and uphold it, especially on this issue, because unfortunately the lie is still circulating out there. Lord knows how it's still circulating, but it's there. And it's the lie that says a person can be a good Catholic and pro-choice at the same time. That is a lie. But unfortunately, it's a lie that just won't die. In many respects, our bishop is a modern-day John the Baptist. Thank God we have him. We are blessed. His message, like the message of the original John 2,000 years ago, is sometimes tough. But when it's accepted, taken in with humility, it yields good fruit. It brings people to Jesus Christ. Those who heard the original John 2,000 years ago and who accepted his message and repented of their sins and received his baptism, those were the people who were properly prepared to embrace their Messiah when he came. They were ready for Jesus. May all those who hear our bishop and who read his column in our diocesan paper heed what they hear and what they read so that they will receive Jesus Christ more fully, more completely into their lives. I offer that prayer this morning for everybody, but in a special way, and in a very sincere way, I offer that prayer for Mr. Rudy Giuliani.